Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to the Preston Shuttlesworth Audio Podcast, a place where we believe you can be equipped to conquer any obstacle in life through the power of God's Word. We have a mission and believe that whatever problem you might be facing, God has a word that can lift you out of your trouble. Now, here's your host, Preston Shuttlesworth. What's up? Welcome back to the podcast. Glad you're listening today, wherever you are. Uh, It's been a little while since our last episode, and a lot has happened since uh, the last episode that I put out there. And the last episode I did was the one with Uh, my mom about the election and giving uh, voting advice. And obviously, you know, if you haven't been living under a rock, a lot has happened. Things are still happening. And um, people, you know, not everybody, but a lot of people have been panicking and being afraid and understand something. No matter what happens in the world, the church doesn't change and the word of God doesn't change. And which is why I felt led to do an episode today about the tribulation and about the rapture and help you answer some questions about what role does the church play in all of that. And then really the most important question I hope to answer for you today is will the church go through the tribulation? Because with how the election went out and how things played out, a lot of people are afraid that you know if, if people get in power that hate the church and don't have the church's best interest in mind that, you know, this year has already been difficult for the church in a lot of ways, uh, for people. And so that was with a president that was pro church and pro Israel and all of those kinds of things that we believe. And so people have this tendency to be afraid that, you know, if these people who don't have the church's best interest at mind get in power, then what's going to happen? Are, are we going to enter into judgment and tribulation and you know what's coming upon the world? But I want to give you peace today with this podcast because I want to teach you why God will never allow the church to go through the tribulation because there are many reasons I'm going to go through in the Bible today where I'm going to show you that it's not in the character of God to judge righteous people the same way he judges wicked people. But it's a biblical teaching that how you act, your righteousness or your wickedness will put you into a different class that then dictates how you will be judged. You know, I can go all the way back to the book of Exodus where the Bible talks about the plagues that came upon Egypt that God spoke through Moses to say would come upon the land. But for every single plague, understand Even though those plagues were affecting the Egyptians, God protected his people. Even to the point for the final plague, the last plague where the death angel was passing over the houses and the firstborn son was being taken, the Bible says that God made a way of escape and a method of protection. And that method of protection was through the blood of a spotless lamb that was painted on the doorposts of the houses of Israel. And so even though they were living, even though Israel was in captivity and slavery and living in Egypt, which was a godless uh, country, worshipped idols, didn't believe in God, even though they were under captivity in that land for a period of time, God still protected them from the judgment that came upon the Egyptians, the plagues, and the death angel. And so understand, that will always be God's nature. And so today, I just want to help you 
and encourage you and give you peace because it is totally not the plan of God for when things happen in the world that are unexpected or maybe don't go the way of the church and things seem to be going in a different direction. It's not God's plan for you to be, you know, experiencing uh, chaos and you can't sleep and you have panic attacks and anxiety about things. That is not God's intention for you. God wants you to understand today that you can have perfect peace in all situations as you understand the word of God and you understand the plan of God, which is revealed in his word. And so that's why today I wrote down six reasons why the church can't go through the tribulation. And I want to start with number one, which is found in Revelation chapter three. The first reason why the church can't go through the tribulation is because Jesus said so. That's really, I mean, I could just do the entire podcast on this only reason. Because if Jesus, the word of God, has spoken it to be that we're not going to go through the tribulation, then nothing else matters. Because God's word, which is Jesus, that Christ was the word that was made flesh that dwelt among us. If Jesus said something, it must be that way. Nothing can make that word contradict itself. Nothing can make that word of none effect. But if Jesus has spoken it, it shall be. And we're going to find that in Revelation chapter 3. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 7. The Bible says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, The words of the Holy One, the True One, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one will open. So obviously, if you know about Jesus, that's Jesus, that the one who holds the key of David, who opens doors that no man can shut and shuts doors that no man can open, that's speaking of Jesus. Verse 8, I know your works. This is Jesus speaking now. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word, and you have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Verse 11, hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. Let's read that again. That's the key part of this text. Verse 10, because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial. Other translations would say tribulation. I will keep you from that hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. And so that's the first reason why I want to tell you today that you have no reason to be afraid or to think that you're going to have to go through heavy persecution and tribulation before Jesus comes back. Because the word of God says that because we've kept the word of God, that he will keep us from the hour of trial and tribulation that is coming upon the whole world. Understand something. An election in the, in the United States doesn't dictate tribulation upon the whole world. Obviously, 
you know, when you live in America, you have this tendency to think that the entire world revolves around America, which in a lot of ways, America influences the entire world. But understand that the tribulation is not something that's only going to affect America or a single nation, but the tribulation that the Bible talks about is going to be something that's going to be global and it's going to be worldwide. And so a lot of people, you know, there are people that even think that we're living in the tribulation right now, which obviously can't be true because if that were true, that would mean there would be tribulation across the whole world where we understand that it's not affecting the whole world yet, that there's different levels of persecution of the church in different nations. For instance, in America, we can still go to church. I mean, for the time being, we can still go to church and openly uh, profess Christ as Lord and Savior and preach the gospel. But for instance, in China, they have to have church underground because of the heavy communist uh, leadership they have in their government. government. And so they have to meet underground. They are heavily persecuted in Nigeria. They kill Christians by the thousands. You know, there are different levels of persecution all across the world. And so it's not the same everywhere you go. And so obviously that can't be the tribulation that the Bible speaks about because the tribulation that's coming upon the world, the Bible says, is something that will infect the entire world. And so until that happens, we know that we're not living in the tribulation. Now, are we living maybe in the early days of what's going to happen? Yes, obviously, if you have eyes to see and discern what's happening, the times and seasons that you live, you can see that that's kind of the path that we're headed towards. But understand, we're not in the middle of that quite yet. Because first of all, Jesus said that because we've kept the word and we haven't swayed from it, that he will keep us from that hour of trial that's coming upon the world. And so that's number one. If Jesus said he's taking us out, then Jesus is going to take us out. We're not going to be here for the worst of it. We are the church of Jesus Christ. We have the power and the authority over the devil and the church is what resists the antichrist system. So that's number one. Number two, the second reason why the church won't and can't go through the tribulation is because God does not judge the wicked and the righteous together. God will never judge righteous people and wicked people the same way. And we're going to uh, find that in Genesis chapter 18, because I want to read you the story of Abraham and Sodom and Gomorrah. You know the story of that Abraham's nephew Lot and his family were living in Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Bible says that God was going to burn down Sodom and Gomorrah with fire from heaven. And really, the story in Genesis 18 is a perfect picture of the world falling into sin. And then people that are still righteous living within the city that's wicked. And then God's going to judge the wicked city, but then God preserves the few righteous that are in the city. So we're going to find this story in Genesis chapter 18, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 22. The Bible says in verse 22 of Genesis 18, it says, So the men turned from there and went toward Sodom, but Abraham still stood before the Lord. Then Abraham drew near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? I'm going to read that again. It's very key to understanding God's nature of how he judges the world. Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? 
Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you spare then? Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked do. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom 50 righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. And you can read further on in that story in Genesis 18, because the Lord didn't just stop at 50, but Abraham, when he prayed, he worked God all the way down to just one righteous person. That if God would find just one righteous person in the entire wicked city of Sodom and Gomorrah, that he would spare the whole city for the sake of one righteous person. You know, you can go to the uh, days of Noah, when God obviously saw the state that the world was in, that violence was at an all-time high, sexual immorality at all-time high, that sin was running rampant on the world, and God regretted that he had made man, and he decided that he would cleanse the world with a flood. But understand that God always made a way out for the righteous, that the Bible says he found a man, Noah, who was righteous and upstanding. And so the Bible says that he used that man, Noah, to build an ark for hundreds of years for his family to escape that judgment of the flood that God was going to use to cleanse the world. And so understand that after that happened, God put the sign in the sky, a rainbow to show Noah that he would never again flood the earth. But this second judgment that's coming upon the world will not be by water, but it will be by fire. That the Bible says God will take out the world with fire. And so the world will end in fire, not with water. But even in the Old Testament, through every type and picture that we can see of God judging a city or God judging the entire world, he always made a way out for the righteous people. And so understand, me and you today, I know most of the people that listen to these podcasts are believers. And so if you're a righteous person living in a wicked day, then it doesn't matter how bad the world gets because God will always make a way of escape for his people, the righteous. It's God's intention from the very beginning to always give you and me a way of escape from the judgment that is coming upon the whole world. And so the first reason why the church won't go through the tribulation is because in Revelation chapter 3, Jesus said so, that he would keep us from the hour of trial that will come upon the whole world. And then number two, because God in his nature will never judge the wicked and the righteous together. That even though Sodom and Gomorrah, one of the most wicked cities throughout the history of mankind, even though God desired to destroy it and take it out because of the sin that was running rampant in that city, that Abraham prayed and he said, God, you are you not the judge of all the, the earth? How will you judge together the wicked and the righteous? Far be it from you.
And God responded and he saw that Abraham was right in praying that. And he said, Abraham, if I find 50 righteous within the city, I'll spare it. But even then God came down to just one righteous person and God would spare the whole city because of one righteous person. So understand, even if this entire world goes to hell, even if every single person that you know turns from God and goes into a way and life of wickedness and perverseness, even if all of that happens, God will preserve you and me if we stand righteous, just like he preserved Noah and his family, just like he preserved Lot and his family. God will do the same thing for us, me and you and the church. God is not going to allow the same judgment that's intended for the wicked to touch the righteous. It will never be in the nature of God. And so that's the second reason. Number three, I want to show you the third reason why the church can't and will not go through the tribulation. And that's going to be found in Matthew chapter 5. Because the third reason why the church can't go through the tribulation is because the church is what resists the Antichrist system. That while the church is on the earth, the Antichrist and the demonic agenda that's trying to influence the world, it will not have its fullness of effect and full authority until the church leaves the earth. Why? Because the church has been given the authority by Christ Jesus. We're going to find this in Matthew chapter 5 and then also Luke ten nineteen. But let's begin first by reading Matthew 5 in verses 13 to 16. The Bible says, Matthew 5, 13, you are the salt of the earth. And so understand, what does that mean? I'm the salt of the earth. What does that mean? Well, you have to understand that at the time Matthew 5, 13 was written, they did not have refrigerators or refrigeration technology. And so in those days, when you wanted to preserve meat or preserve food, because you wanted to keep it for a longer period of time and preserve it, salt was the only preservative they had during that time. And so when they wanted to preserve something, they would coat it in salt and pack it with salt. And that would preserve the thing that they were trying to keep able to be eaten. And so understand when the Bible says you and I, the church, are the salt of the earth, what it's really saying is we are the preservation of the earth. That the reason the rapture hasn't already happened, the reason why the world hasn't already gone into an antichrist system and the antichrist already hasn't risen to power is because the church is still here. And while the church is here, the devil will not have the ability to do what he wants to do in the fullness of what his plan is. And so understand how powerful you are as a member of the church of Jesus Christ, that we are the last line of defense for the world, that while we are here, we are designed and in intended to push back the kingdom of hell and take ground for the kingdom of God. So that's first things first. You are the salt of the earth. You are the preservative for mankind. That the devil will not have his authority and any power while the church of Jesus Christ is still here. You are the salt of the earth. Verse 13. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. 
And then here's verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Verse 15. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all that are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. And so understand, not only is the church, you and I, not only are we the salt of the earth, but we are the light of the earth that Jesus said in John 9, 5, he said, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. But understand, Jesus was crucified, resurrected, and ascended unto heaven. And now he is seated at the right hand of God, making intercession for you and me. And so understand, Jesus in the flesh is no longer in the world. But what happened was that the Bible says that the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead now dwells within you and me, the believer. And so now... We carry the light of men that when the Bible says in John chapter one, that in him was life and that life was the light of men. It's referring to Christ and his spirit. Now that light and that life dwells on the inside of the believer. And so together corporately as the church, which is the collection of all the believers of Christ Jesus, we are the light of the world. And so understand when it comes to the tribulation and when it comes to persecution and what the Bible speaks about will come upon the world, that it can't descend into that darkness and that dark place while me and you, the light of the world, because Jesus lives on the inside of us while the church is still here. The lights cannot go out while the light, the church, me and you, are still on the earth. Darkness will not take effect and have its fullness of way while the church of Jesus Christ is on the earth. We are the salt of the earth. We preserve it. We are the light of the world. We don't allow it to go into darkness. We are the last line of defense for good to prevail. And I'm not one of these Christians that when they preach, they preach from this defeated place that no matter what you do, no matter how much you pray or whatever you believe, that evil will have its way and we're just waiting to get out of here. Understand, I have a comfort that no, that of the knowing that Jesus will return for me, that I'm not going to see the worst part of the persecution of the church, that I will not be around for the tribulation because I will be raptured and be with Christ Jesus. But understand, I have a fight in my spirit, and so should you, that you have an understanding now, after hearing this, that you are God's defense, that you are the ability to push back darkness and antichrist agenda in every system that's evil and wicked. So I don't like this mentality that Christians a lot of times have, that they have this defeatist mentality that says, well, you know, if these evil people get in power and they have their agendas take effect, then that will be good for the church because that will mean that Jesus will come back sooner because that system will accelerate. Well, that's not the mentality to have because it doesn't matter who's president or governor, though it helps, but it doesn't matter ultimately who's in power because as long as the church understands what it is and the power it has, it doesn't matter what takes place in the world. 
salt because we are the salt and we are the light. We are the preservative and we are the illumination of the world that we give light to all that are in the house or all those that are in the world. And that that city, that city of light cannot be hidden. Understand, it's the devil's plan to hide the church during this time, to make you feel insignificant, like you're powerless, like you're helpless, like you can't do anything about what's happening in the world. That's a lie from hell. You have all authority and all power because Christ Jesus gave it to you when he accomplished his goal of dying on the cross and taking the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Jesus accomplished that work to empower you and me, the believer, and the church as a whole to overcome every obstacle and push back the kingdom of darkness. That when in Matthew 16, 19, the Bible says, Jesus said it, he said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom that whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And so understand, authority has been transferred to the church, that we, the humankind and mankind, they lost authority in the garden, Adam and Eve, that when they sinned in the garden, they gave authority to the devil, because the Bible says that whoever you obey will become your master. And so understand that when God created you and me, mankind, he gave authority to Adam and Eve in the garden, but when they fell into sin and they listened to the devil, the serpent, they transferred that God-given authority to the devil. But then there was a promise given that the Bible says that the son of the woman, he shall bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. And that was a prophecy all the way back in Genesis of the redemption plan that God had through his son, Christ Jesus. And that's what Jesus did, that though he bruised his heel, though he had to die on the cross, he crushed the head of the serpent, the devil, by giving us new life by his blood. And so now... When that authority went from God to Adam, when God gave authority to, the, to mankind to dwell on the earth, gave a dominion to mankind, that happened. But then dominion was transferred from mankind, Adam and Eve, to the serpent. But then when Jesus died, he took that authority back and then gave it to all who believe. That the Bible says that these signs shall follow them that believe. And so understand today, you are not a weak Christian. You are not powerless in this situation and in this time. You are an overcomer by faith. That the Bible says in 1 John 5, 4, it says this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. And so today, you know, whoever you are, wherever you're listening from, you are empowered to overcome the plan of the devil and every wicked thing that's trying to exalt itself this year or any other year that we're going to see, I believe it with all my heart, the greatest time the church has ever seen, that more people are going to get saved and healed. People are going to see undeniably that our God is alive and his word is true. I believe it with all my heart and understand the church will not go through the judgment and the trial and the great tribulation that's coming upon the world. For God has given authority and power to you and me, the salt and light of the world. You know, the Bible says in Luke chapter 10 and verse 19, it says, behold, Jesus again speaking, behold, I give you all power over the devil. 
that you shall tread upon snakes and scorpions and nothing shall by any means harm you. Understand, Jesus, when he died on the cross and he accomplished his goal and task of taking the keys of authority, giving it to the church, not only that, but he has given us all power over the devil. Understand, if God and the Lord has given us 100% of all power, then there's no power left over for the devil to operate in. All power, capital A, capital L, capital L, all power has been given to the church. And so if all power belongs to the church, then there's no power left over for the devil to use. And you might say, well, Preston, that's encouraging to say. But it seems like the devil has plenty of power because of what's happening. Well, that's only because the devil's only tactic he has left is to lie and to intimidate by fear. I want to show you that in Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21, because the devil has no claws and he has no teeth. In other words, he doesn't actually have the ability to do what he lies and says he can do. But he even understands better than you do. A lot of, He understands better than a lot of Christians do that the power and the authority belongs to the believer. And so what he does is he lies to the believer to intimidate them in fear and forget who they are so that he can do what he wants to do. The only thing the devil can do is masquerade as something that he's not. The only thing the devil can do is he can lie and say he's 20 feet tall when really he's only six inches tall. The devil is a liar. The Bible says, Jesus said, when he was rebuking the Pharisees, he said, you are of your father, the devil, who was a liar from the beginning. See, the devil never had power. He just was always an effective liar. He was always a liar from the beginning. He was a liar in the garden when he masqueraded as a serpent and lied to Adam and Eve and lied and said, you know, the reason that God doesn't want you to eat this fruit is because he knows if you eat of this tree and this fruit that you'll become like him. And he doesn't want you to become like him. And that's the only reason he told you not to eat of this tree. And from the beginning, the fall of mankind came from a lie that was not true. It came, power was transferred because of a lie. And understand, like I said, when that power was transferred, then the devil did have authority for a period of time. But then Jesus, with his work on the cross, took it back with ultimate truth. And so understand it's the same today. The devil does not have new tricks and new moves and new things he's trying to do. He has about three weapons and three things that he uses that are effective. He uses lying, intimidation, and fear. That's about all he has. But let's see in Luke 21, when it talks about the coming of the Son of Man, let's look at the signs that Jesus gives that we can point out to indicate whether his return is soon or not. Verse 25 of Luke 21. The Bible says, Jesus again speaking, There will be signs in sun and moon and stars, and on earth distress of nations, in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves. And then here's a key verse. People will faint with fear and with the foreboding of what is coming upon the world for the power of the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And so understand, I'm not 
concerned with what's happening because I understand the plan and the prophecy of what's going to happen. That people will be so afraid of where the world's headed that they will have their hearts faint with fear. That the Bible says people will die because of how afraid they are. Think of how crazy that is. But you can see more plainly this year than ever before that that is exactly what's happening and that's exactly what's happening to the world. That the devil is using fear and the foreboding and the worry and the panic and the anxiety of what will happen upon the world to make people's heart faint with fear. You know something very interesting? That during this whole lockdown of the virus and, you know, the economy crashing and uh, rioting and looting and all this distress and division and all this uh, hatred that's happening in the world, they say that suicide rates are at all-time highs, that prescription medication for anxiety are at all-time highs, that uh, divorce and spousal arguments and domestic abuse and violence and murder, all of these things are shooting to all-time highs because when there's a, f- a fear and when there's things that are happening because of lying, all of these things will begin to increase. But the purpose of the church is to resist that and push it back for as long as possible. And that's why the church will not go through the tribulation because we are, like I've said many times already on this podcast, we are the last line of defense and God will not judge the righteous in the same way that he judges the wicked. So that's number three. The third reason is because the church is what resists the Antichrist system. I showed you that in Matthew 5, and then I read to you in Luke 21, that the sign of the end times is that people's heart will fail them, people's hearts will fail them because of fear and the foreboding of what is coming upon the world. And that's actually one of the main reasons why I felt led to do a podcast about this topic and subject, is because I don't want you to have panic and a foreboding, and a worry about what the world is doing and where the world is headed, you can have a peace that surpasses all understanding from knowledge of Bible prophecy and where the world is actually headed. Because understand, we're getting out of here. There's a comfort in knowing that Jesus is coming soon and he's not going to leave you and I behind, but he's going to take us with him. That the Bible says, Actually, let's go. To, let's read it for a second. First Thessalonians chapter four. People like to say, "Well, the Bible doesn't never actually says the word rapture." Well, of course not, because the word rapture comes from the word rapturo, which means the great catching away. So obviously, the Bible's not going to say the actual word rapture, but the Bible also doesn't say the word Bible, but we use that word all the time, and so. Just because that word's not in the Bible doesn't mean it's not something that's biblical because the word rapture, like I said, it comes from the root word rapturo, which just means the great catching away of the church. And so it's a Bible prophecy term that's used to explain the great catching away of the church from the earth. And so we're going to find where we get the doctrine of the rapture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, in verse 13, Paul writes, and he says this, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, 
that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Verse 16, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Verse 17, Then we who are alive, that's us, who are left, will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. You know something about the doctrine of pre-tribulation, rapture? There's a comfort in it. And understand, there wouldn't be a comfort in the teaching of the rapture if we were going to be here for the tribulation. What comfort would there be in a teaching that you're going to have to be beheaded and you're going to have to starve to death because you can't buy or sell anything? There's no comfort in those kinds of teachings. That's panic. People that teach that put their church and their people in panic mode because they think they have to buy buckets of rice and beans from Jim Baker and keep it in their house because of what's happening to the world. And, you know, there's no comfort in that teaching. But the comfort comes because we are going to get out of here before the worst part of it starts to happen. You know, I understand there's been persecution of the church even this year in America. The shutting down of churches and refusing to allow us to gather and have our services, that really is persecution. That's true. But really, it's nothing compared to what the Bible talks about in the book of Revelation. We haven't even seen the first part of what really is going to happen to the world. The Bible says that Christians will be martyred by the thousands. And I understand that's happening in some parts of the world, like Nigeria and China and India and things like that. But the Bible says the tribulation that's going to happen to the world will be worldwide. And so until the day that Christians in America are being beheaded by their government for believing in Jesus, we're not really in the tribulation yet. But one day those things will happen, but have peace and comfort in the knowing that God is going to rapture his church before that happens. There's a comfort in the teaching of Bible prophecy and the teaching of a pre-tribulation rapture. And you might say, well, that's a really easy way out. You know, that's a cop-out answer that we don't have to worry because Jesus is going to rapture us. Well, it's the Bible. I don't know what to tell you. Jesus spoke it in Revelation chapter 3 that he will keep us from the hour of trial that's coming upon the world. You understand from the nature of God in Genesis 18 that God will never judge the righteous and the wicked no matter how wicked the world gets. You understand that the church, me and you, because we have God's spirit, we have the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead on the inside of us. You understand that we are the resistance and the holding line and the defense line for what the devil wants to do in the world. And so as long as we're here, the devil can't do what he wants to do. You understand that? You understand from Luke ten nineteen that all power has been given to you and I and the church and that if all power is ours, then the devil has no power. You understand from the Exodus 
that even though God sent plagues upon Egypt, which represents the world, God made a way of escape for his people through the blood of a spotless lamb that kept them from the death angel when it passed over their homes, that God will always make a way of escape for his people, that he empowers his people, that God is not a child abuser, that God will never allow his church to go through what the world goes through. God, you understand, is a perfect judge. And so if God is a perfect judge, he will not judge us the same as someone that's not in covenant with him. He'll just never do it. And so running down these reasons, if you're taking notes, six reasons why the church cannot and will not go through the tribulation. Number one, Jesus said so in Revelation chapter 3. Number two, because God won't judge the wicked and the righteous together. That We found that in Genesis 18. Number three, because the church is the salt and light of the world, and the church is what resists the Antichrist system. We found that in Matthew chapter 5. You understand the fourth reason was because all power has been given to the church, And the sixth reason is because God always provides a way out of judgment for his people. And we found that, I didn't actually go there and read it, but we can see that through the story of the exodus of the people of Israel out of Egypt. And so I want to close this podcast with what should then we be doing during this time? Because I understand it's not, it's not in the natural, the easiest time for the church, that, you know, the coronavirus restrictions are starting to come back and they're saying there's a second wave and different states and cities are closing down again and um, restaurants are closing and it seems like we're going into like March again at the end of November. But understand that Jesus said, he said, occupy until I come. Occupy until I come. So what should you and I, believers, what should the church be doing during this time? We are going to be occupying until Jesus comes. You know, I don't want to be like the servant from the parable of the talents, that when he was given the talents from his master, that because he was afraid to lose it, he went away and he hid it in the ground. I don't want that to be your story, and I sure don't want that to be my story. But I want to be able to tell God when I get raptured one day that God, I did everything I possibly could. I went after people's souls. I went after people that were lost. I saw people get healed and delivered. God, I was occupying until you came. I don't want to have this sob story to tell God where I'm in tears and begging him for forgiveness because I didn't do what I was called to do, that I was afraid and intimidated by what the devil was doing. And so because of that, I never did anything effective for his kingdom. I want to be able one day When Jesus comes back to look God in the eye and have a clear conscience about how I was effective in my ministry, how I did what I was called to do, and I can show him God, not only have I brought back the talent that you've given me, but I've brought it back multiplied and I was fruitful with what you allowed me to have. And I want God to be pleased with my life. And I understand from the Bible that the only thing that pleases God is faith. And so today, don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid. Don't allow your peace to be moved by what's happening in the world. Understand nothing is over. 
understand there's still a great, great hope of the church. And the great hope of the church is that Jesus is coming soon and that we're not going to be left on this earth for the worst part of the trial and the tribulation that's coming upon the world. But God is going to get us out of here before things get to that point. You have a peace to know now that you have no reason to be afraid, that you have the great hope that Jesus is coming very, very soon, that you're living in the final hour of time. You're living in the final seconds of that final hour. But you have a great peace to know that you have a home in heaven that God has prepared for you, that you have no reason to feel like how the economy is doing dictates how your life will go, but you have the great hope that one day Jesus Christ will break that eastern sky and he'll come on a horse with victory and a sword in his mouth to destroy every work of the devil and he's taking you and I with him and we will be raised in authority and with power and when we come back we are going to be in a glorified body and that he's going to give us even more authority and power to perform his kingdom work while we're on the earth you have no reason to be afraid no judgment that's coming upon the world will affect you or your family in jesus mighty name it's not a time to be in fear it's a time to rise in faith and you know the bible says lastly in closing the Bible says that in the last days, in 2 Peter 3, it says there will be people that will mock you and I for believing in the rapture. There will be people that will mock us because we believe that Jesus is coming again. There will be people that mock us and say, where is this son of man that you said will come and get you out of this place? He's not going to come. It's been thousands of years and they'll mock you. But the Bible says that like a thief in the night, Christ will come and in the, in the twinkling of an eye will be caught up in the air and so forever we shall be with the Lord. Don't allow people to mock you and mock your hope and affect your peace, but remain unmovable and unshakable with the knowing that Jesus is coming soon and he's going to take you and I with him. I want to close by reading one final verse in Psalm chapter 2 and verse 4. Psalm chapter 2 and verse 4 is an awesome verse. I want to read it to you before I pray with you and close out this podcast. I want to pray for every single person that feels to pray the salvation prayer either for the first time or rededicate your life. Because maybe as I was speaking about the rapture and how Jesus is coming, it didn't give you peace. And the only reason it wouldn't have given you peace is because you know in your spirit that you're not right with God. And so before I end this podcast, I'm going to give you the opportunity to pray the salvation prayer with me. But before we pray, I want to read to you one final verse out of Psalm chapter 2 in verse 4. The Bible says, He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. <laughs> you know, the Bible says, that God sees the plans of the wicked from his throne in heaven and he just sits back and laughs because he knows their plans will come to nothing. He knows that their plans have no comparison to what he already has established in the earth for me and you. I want that to comfort you today. If you feel to pray with me or to pray with those that will be praying in either rededication or giving your life to Jesus for the very first time so that you can have complete 
peace when you go to sleep tonight, that you know that if Jesus were to return, you'd go with him, that you wouldn't be left behind, that you would go and be so forever with the Lord, that you would have a final home and resting place in heaven, that you would no longer have to experience this world and the problems that exist in the world, but you can have a peace tonight. You can have the best night's sleep you've ever had, knowing that you made things right with God, and one day you're going to be in heaven with Him when He comes back again. If you feel to pray that prayer, I want you to pray, pray it with me right now. Just say this, repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Say, Today, Jesus, I choose you. I reject the world. And I choose to spend my eternity with you. Amen. And just from praying that simple prayer, the Bible says that when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, then it's by grace through faith that you are saved. And one day you'll go and be with Jesus. You won't have to worry about what the world's doing. You won't have to worry about the stock market or a virus, or whatever else is going to happen to the world. You can have a perfect peace to know that no matter what happens, you're going to spend your eternity with God in heaven. Well, today, that's all I have for you today. If you feel led to partner with this ministry, I want to encourage you that I have a website now. You can go visit it at PrestonShuttlesworth.com, and all the information's there. There's a giving tab. If you feel led to sow into the ministry, today or tonight or, or whenever you're listening to this and you'd greatly help me as I take the gospel to my generation, I want you to know, lastly, that I love you. God loves you. And I'm going to talk to you very, very soon.